0: Sarah Jane Case, and this is Enneagram and Coffee. Hello, everyone. Happy Thursday, and welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are doing a Q&A episode. If you've been a podcast fan for a while, then you know that this is kind of a day late, but that's okay. I'll get into that in a minute. Um, But we're going to do a QA and a episode. I'm going to be answering all of your questions that were texted in and it's going to be a good old time. But first, today's Rose, Bud, and Thorn. So my Rose, the thing I'm really excited about today is that we are officially on with our new podcast network. I'm so excited about it. It feels like a really good partnership. We are going to have ads on the podcast again that feel really aligned. I'm pumped about it. So that's a really exciting thing this week. The thorn is that the transition over to the new hosting platform because of kind of going into the network, we switched hosting sites and that's just been a little bit of a mess. And that's why we're doing our Q&A on Thursday instead of Wednesday, because it's been kind of a two-week weirdness with our schedule. But We've got all of the kinks worked out at this point, so we should be good to go for the coming weeks. And my bud right now is that today's episode, I did not script at all. So I put the questions in, and you guys are going to get my very first read-through of them, and then my first response to them. This could be really fun. Sometimes I think that... My first answer is the best answer. And then when I go in and I script it out, I end up watering it down a little bit. And so I wanted to see what would feel like to be a little bit more conversational and natural, like we're hanging out in real life. This could be great. And this could be my worst episode ever. I'm sure someone will let me know in the comments or on Instagram or in the ratings, but you know what, life is short let's experiment, let's play with it, and let's get into our first question. So I am, I'm reading these for the first time with you. Really fun. Okay, so question number one. Hi, seven here. I've been struggling this season with a lot of grief, relatable, and not knowing how to let myself grieve in a healthy way usually when i'm stressed i overfunction. but lately i felt paralyzed and have procrastinated on the most stressful jobs that need to get done i try to let myself cry when i need to but i feel like i'm not crying enough it feels like a downward spiral how do i begin to pull myself out of that okay so first of all i will say this is so relatable i i really feel you on this and i there's a couple of things. First, I think check in with yourself and ask yourself if you've really given yourself time to grieve. Like have you been able to really just sit with your feelings? I'm not talking like sit with your feelings because you let yourself cry, but more so like have you been unoccupied lately? You know, unplugged, not Distracting yourself with TV or movies or books or podcasts or activities. When's the last time you were really alone with your own thoughts? And if that has been recently, then cool. That's step one. I really think for sevens, that's kind of the first thing is really just being able to be alone with our feelings and honor those feelings. We can just say, I feel anger, I feel sadness, I feel loss that sort of thing. What I did for a while after I lost my dad was I would ask myself every day, what am I grieving today? And I wrote about it a little bit. And that was how I I transitioned from that season of deep allowing myself to feel. Like I I took a week away and just went to be alone and feel my feelings. And then when I needed to start integrating into life again, I want to say, first of all, it took me a couple months before I was not rough around the edges. You know, I think I was crying a lot. I was pretty difficult to be around. I needed a lot of support for several months after my dad passed. So I just want to be clear about that. That's normal and fine and okay. And then I also would ask myself, you know, what am I grieving today? And I would let myself write about that honestly. The other thing to keep in mind is you are probably going to need to lower your expectations for yourself. You said I typically when you're stressed you overfunction. Totally makes sense. Um, but you said lately I felt paralyzed and have procrastinated on the most stressful jobs. You actually might be honoring your grief, right? Like this is normal part of grief. Like overfunctioning is how we cope. It's not often how we thrive because when we overfunction, it's often at the expense of ignoring our feelings it's not usually a good sign for sevens it's usually a sign that we are not dealing with things so the fact that you do feel like you're not able to take action maybe you feel like you're procrastinating um is an indicator that you're processing your feelings you're allowing yourself to deal with your grief which is a sign of health now when it comes to the practicality of actually having to like do your work and i know our society is not the biggest supporter of the realities of grief what i would just say is communicate as much as possible and as openly as possible so being able to say to the people who are waiting on things like i'm going through a lot of grief right now this is what's happening it's really slowing me down my capacity has lowered can i you know what what's the flexibility on this you will be shocked at how many people understand and have been there and get it. I always recommend this book. It's the book that was basically my best friend when I was going through things last year. The book is It's Okay That You're Not Okay. And it is such a good read, especially for sevens because grief is weird and it's unpredictable and we can't control it. And as much as we would like to operate as we usually do you can't and and that's okay so I will say that there did come a time where it was just time for me to get back to life Um, and in that season it took some effort I did have to start I wrote a gratitude list every day Um, I have a YouTube video that I'll try and link in the show notes. That's all about how I approach gratitude, which is a little bit different. It's called a 10 good things list. It's as simple as it sounds, but it makes it more casual and less intense. And I just did that every single day for a couple months to help me to really look for the good things in my life in the present moment. This is the final thing I'll say about this, but for for our sevens, a lot of the healthy way for us to integrate this positivity this natural positivity that we have into our lives is to make sure we're doing it with what is what is here and now and not in what we hope for the future so if we can we can be present in our lives with the good that is here that can get us back into our kind of natural rhythm of feeling upbeat and positive and energetic while not ignoring the truth of how we're feeling so i hope this was helpful really do recommend checking out the book it's okay that you're not okay. Great place to start. Okay, our next question. Hi, Sarah Jane, hello. I was wondering if you could share some questions to ask ourselves and tips to helping someone find what their core motivation or fear is. It can be kind of challenging to narrow it down just to one when I resonate with a few of them depending on the situation I'm in. Thank you so much. Naomi. Hi, Naomi. Um, okay. So the first thing I would say is really thinking about, I like to think about it as a worldview versus motivation and fear when I'm in this mode. So if I'm thinking, you know, what is the thing that's informing everything in my life? Sure, there are times where I feel like I want to be helpful. There are times where I feel like it's really important to me to be a good person. I want to have authentic emotions. I can relate to the core motivation of every type. But the the underlying drive of my life, I can't say that for everything, right? I can't say, yeah, this is how I approach the world and so i think that's the first thing is is thinking what is the world view here that i adopt based off of these motivations and fears and if you have my book the worldview is listed in every chapter for every type so you can just look at it there but i would just say like what is the way that i approach the world based off of these motivations and fears not circumstantial because if it's circumstantial then it's probably not you right so if i say you know there are times where i don't want to be controlled that i focus on not being controlled versus i don't want to be trapped in emotional pain that the one of those is temporary one of those is always all the time in every situation so that's the first thing the second thing is when it comes to narrowing it down i really say like pit it against each other so you can say okay, would I rather be a good person or would I rather be free? Would I rather be seen as helpful or would I rather be seen as successful? And if you had to pick one, which would you choose? Because sometimes we can think about what we don't want as well. Like if I focus on the opposite, focus on the fear and say, okay, I what do I want the least? Which thing do I avoid at all cost? Do I avoid being incapable at all cost? Do I avoid being a failure at all cost, In every situation, all the time, I feel this way. So I know that's not um, some questions to ask necessarily, but it is, I just really recommend first replacing it with worldview and thinking about it. This is the thing that's painting every decision that you've ever made, not what it looks like when you're at work versus what it looks like when you're at home. Next question, there is so much advice about care and growth for the sexual and self-preservation seven, but not much out there for social, the countertype for seven. I'm a mom of four young children and between that and the church trauma, feeling the need to not be bad, denying myself, taking up my cross. Oof, that is relatable. I suppress myself so much that I feel like I need to do those spontaneous and indulgent things and go against that part of me. What advice would you give someone of my background, as I am sure there are many other people wondering that as the counter types and growing up in the Bible Belt. It stinks to see so many Enneagram memes saying the one thing I need to do is deny myself and my dreams and desires more and not indulge. I feel so much shame for wanting to do so much anyway. Thank you for all you do. So you may know this, you may not know this, but I am also a social seven. Self-preservation is my secondary, so I have a decent amount of self-preservation in me depending on the season but I am technic- I am a social seven and I am a former Southern Baptist. So what I will say about that is I, I see you, I relate to you, I get it. Here's how I approach it because with the memes on Instagram, there's so little that you can do in terms of showing the depth of Enneagram on Instagram. I've talked about this before. It's part of the reason why I'm moving away from creating Enneagram content on Instagram just because I don't think it's the right format. However, I will say what I do is I look at both seven, at seven, two, and one um, when I'm needing a little bit of support. I also look at the numbers that I go to in stress and rest. So I'm also looking at eight and five. So as a counter type, you're really learning a lot from the inner contradiction in you. So um, yes, you do have this like desire to get your needs met and that conflicts with the part of you that feels shame for that. And so you're going to want to look at two and seven and then one, I think as well, because we have kind of like a high moral standard as social sevens that we tend to operate with, and we tend to feel that shame. So I will say, as a counter type, read the three and re- and apply them as needed. And and here's the thing: when we are learning things about self care for any enneagram type, it's really more about listening to who you are and what you need, and paying attention to where you're at in the season of your life. We all change and we grow. All sevens aren't operating in that low level of health and what we need changes and shifts as our life changes and shifts. And so that's also an important thing to notice and pay attention to is when we get this advice, we're the decider of what advice we take, right? We don't need the advice giver to be giving advice that's like perfectly tailored to exactly where we are, we have to be the ones to filter in which things are for me and which things are not for me because there really is so little that we can do in terms of creating content that perfectly covers every wide range of Enneagram sevens in the world. But when we trust ourselves and we trust what is right for us and what is not right for us, and it sounds like you already kinda know when to pay attention to what, you you can read all the numbers and be like, oh, I'm going to take that that nugget of goodness and carry it with me, even if it's not for my type specifically. All right, we're going to do a quick little break and hear from the sponsor of today's episode. This show is brought to you by our show's new sponsor, better help online therapy i know we're working so hard to take care of ourselves right now and it is more important than ever that we focus on our mental health without a healthy mind being truly happy and that peace is so hard and we all should have the support that we need the good news is that therapy actually works there is a misunderstanding of what therapy is it can be whatever you want it to be it doesn't have to be sitting around talking about your feelings or that's exactly what it can be. It's up to you. Virtual therapy specifically has been absolutely incredible for me this year. Just having the option to text my therapist when I need via the app or sit down and have a call, all from the comfort of my own home. And especially in the past when I was traveling so much for work, being able to not miss therapy just because I was away for work It has made it so much easier for me to dig deep into how I'm feeling and get the support that I need. Helpers need support the most, right? When we are the ones who are teaching other people how to take care of themselves, it is almost our obligation to make sure that we are allowing ourselves the support that we need. But I also wanna say that it is, I think it's a human right to have mental health support no matter where you are and what you're struggling with. When everyone is struggling with something, there's really just no shame in getting the help that we all need. Being a human is hard. Ask for help when you can. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. I don't know about you, but in the past, I have had a hard time finding the right therapist, getting my appointment in, but BetterHelp makes it so, so easy. Join the millions of people who are seeing what therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and Enneagram and Coffee listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com egram. That's betterhel dot com egram. Thank you so much, BetterHelp, for sponsoring today's episode. All right, our next question. Hi, Sarah Jane. First, just want to say how much I love the Revamp podcast series. Oh, thank you. It is really shining through how aligned this is for you. And as much as I loved what you were offering before, I've noticed taking even more away from your episodes in the last couple of weeks of your new series. Thank you. That means so much to me. It does feel so much more aligned. I feel so much more connected even than before. Okay. So there's some backstory. I am a type one about to turn 30 and a therapist. Oh, therapy. Um, I have been doing my own healing and growth work over the last decade. Most recently, I have been working with a therapeutic model called internal family systems that has been hugely impactful for me personally and for my clients. In doing this work i have met so many young parts of myself that i just want playfulness and fun what i see is moving in the direction of my growth arrow towards seven and minimize what i think as as the four parts of myself having compassion and curiosity for my inner four has been just as important to my growth oh yes i'm curious about enneagram theories and your own thoughts and theories on how important connecting to our stress and growth arrows is in doing this work because The more growth, work, and healing I do, the more inextricable my seven and four feel for my type one personality. I only sort of miss the days when I fully related to the type one Instagram memes. Yes. Okay, so first of all, thank you so much. I appreciate your feedback on the podcast. This really does feel exactly like where I want to be. And as far as the lines, I will say that the lines to me are the first thing that I think we should go into once we really get through the work of our core number, I honestly believe that the lines are magical for understanding ourselves. I personally really, really resonate with soul child theory, which is the idea that the number that we go to in rest is the number that we were as a child and that we've developed our dominant type as a protective shield to protect that kind of like inner child in us. So for you as a one, that being like your little seven in you need is being protected by the part of you that is protecting yourself with being good. And then I think sometimes this there's not a theory on this, but I think of that stress point as the part of us that comes out when we feel like we we're losing control, right? Like we can't, like this is how we grasp for things in our life. So for a one kind of going into that four space feeling like i'm suffering i'm the only one who's suffering i have this unique kind of suffering is a way that we kind of grasp for things but there's also this other side of it right this the the up the higher side of health on that which is what oftentimes is takes us out of stagnation and mixes up our life a little bit and can even intentionally prevent the need for self-care in my opinion so if as a one, if you honor your, your feelings, then you can prevent getting into that lower level of, of health for the four. So going from moderately splicing this into your life on a regular basis can prevent that level of desperation. So if you're like, okay, I'm going to honor my anger on a day-to-day basis, I don't have the need to kind of get into the deeper, darker emotions that come from feeling like I'm suffering and I'm the only one who's suffering as a seven, you know, I move over to one and I can get kind of judgmental and uptight or I can get very strict with myself and strict with other people about what I think is the right way to do things. But if I regularly integrate ritual and routine and structure into my life, that sense of like I need to grasp control of something or I need to make sure everyone's doing this in this way that I would do it isn't as necessary because I'm not as stressed out over time, right? So I'm a big fan. I'm like big on the lines. Definitely. I think if you are starting with the lines, start with the soul child theory. I did a whole episode on that. So you can go, you guys can go listen to that episode as well, but start with soul child theory and really just honor that inner child, like the work that you're doing. So it sounds like you're, you're doing exactly what we all can do and this is such a good question to kind of point us all in the direction of, let's pay attention to those lines because it really does impact us. And I will say when I do Enneagram and Relationships, when I do workshops for that, I always recommend people listen to both their stress and their rest numbers because like you said, you miss the times where you only related to type one and that's because we really can see how much those lines come into our life. And impact us and show up as part of who we are as a whole so thank you so much for asking that question okay the next question hi i am taking a social psychology class and we are discussing the self-concept which emulates the enneagram i would be interested in learning about how different types express themselves in their culture For example, interdependent many Eastern countries such as Japan, China, and Korea in contrast to independent societies, U.S., Canada, Western Europe. Thanks a bunch. I love this question. So um, there is a whole theory that every country has its own Enneagram type. So we would say that United States, like our society, is a more a type three culture. And so Um, something called an overlay can occur where we all as Americans have an overlay of a type 3. So whether we are fully conscious of it or not, our dominant Enneagram type is always impacted by our society's obsession with success in like the American way. They're the American dream and getting, you know, constantly being a self-made person, accomplishing our goals. So every, every country has a dominant Enneagram type and that is gonna impact The culture is going to impact how your type shows up. That's why a lot of times Christian women specifically will type as an Enneagram type too because there is that cultural overlay even within the religious community that can impact and flavor how your Enneagram type presents. The same thing happens if you have like a dominant family member in your household, like a a mother or a father figure, who has a really strong type that can become an overlay into how you show up and can impact the way that you view the world because a lot of the work that we do when we go into therapy is is realizing that oh my parents voice is in my head and it's telling me what it means to be a person and to be a good person and how do we replace how they see me with how i see myself right so If you think about if you are raised with a a dominant type nine parent and that parent is really setting the tone for the culture in your household, intense emotions are going to feel like the opposite of what you're supposed to do as a person. So maybe you're an Enneagram type four who feels very comfortable with all of your emotions, but you're always going to kind of have this voice in your head that's saying intense emotions are not the way you know, you're so sensitive, you're so dramatic, then you're going to have a little bit of that nine in you just naturally because you were raised in that nine environment, right? So that can happen. This overlay thing can happen with a parent in your household. It can happen in your work environment.